Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Cinema Hangover, where three completely unqualified individuals drink and talk about movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm with my co-hosts, Oliver. Hey. And Shannon. Hello. Now, I will say this, if my voice sounds weirder than normal, because I'm fighting off, not the plague, but the cold, which is a mini plague. Been going around. Not, not the vid. Uh, not, 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 not the vid. <laughs> it's been making its rounds. It has been yeah. making its rounds. Yeah, that's true. Fuck. But, what <laughs> What the fuck are we here for? We're here to talk about a movie. Oh, God! Blade Runner 2049. Woo! Mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049. But I think before I even say what it's about, mm-hmm. it's a, well, it's a sequel, first of all. Oh, my God. It is so a sequel. It's, it's a and sequel. And we are drinking... As presented in the movie. As presented in the movie, we are drinking mm-hmm. Johnny Walker Black Label, which I hate whiskey. I'm gonna I don't even right want to... I don't even want to... I have my red wine to chase it. It's actually not too bad. Pretty yeah, smooth. It, actually. it tastes like a pretty typical whiskey, but oh, it does have some uh, smoothness to it. Okay, I well, just yeah. smelled it. The first rule is you don't smell alcohol, idiot. Is that Fuck really the first nose. rule? So clear your sinuses. That's what my oh, big brother. <laughs> really? That bad? <coughs> okay. So dramatic. Do we need to turn that into like a whiskey sour? Or oh something? my <laughs> gosh! Stop. <laughs> She's like pretending to gag. She took I a tiny little like sip I of whiskey. I literally feel like I just ate like ashes out of a fireplace. Maybe if you didn't chase it with wine. She's literally drinking red wine to chase. Yeah, because that needs that needs a chaser. Okay. Well, well <laughs> I think I think it's delightful. But it is okay. Nice, yeah. God, you're making me watch weird movies and drink weird whiskeys and. Hey, at least it's not an anime. Weird okay, I'm movies. just kidding. This movie's not weird. Yeah, I'm just saying okay. in general, you're making me watch weird things. What is this accent that you're doing, This is the whiskey. Like, it's kicking it. the whiskey speaking. One sip of whiskey All right, okay. and the accent's okay. coming out. Right. Blade Don't Runner. Get on Blade Runner Ooh. 2049. Let's get into it. It's a sequel to the original Blade Runner, which is a 70s movie by Ridley Scott. Wait, wait, wait. Scott. I thought it was made in 1982. 82. Is it? Is it 82? Wait, unless... The final cut. So I think it's seventy. Yeah, I, I think that. Well, the final cut. There's actually three different versions of the original Blade what Runner. What the fuck? Yeah, I there's it was the, only two. the theatrical, the directors, and the final cut. Oh, that's why it's called the final cut. Um, yeah. Yep. So we can get oh, more of that. Might be eighty-two actually. Is it eighty-two? Yep. Well, either way. Okay. Yep, by Ridley Scott, eighty-two. Wow, look Sweet. at you. Nice. It is. Look at your noggin. But that, we're not talking about that movie much, at least not primarily. We're talking about we'll its sequel. I guess a legacy sequel. You don't yes. really necessarily have to watch the first one. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 came out in 2017 by one of the, in my opinion, best working directors nowadays, Denis Villeneuve. Now, Villeneuve. Now, one question that just, like, immediately off the bat. Yeah. What do you mean by a legacy sequel? Um, I think, I, I'm pretty sure you could watch this movie and not have seen the original. Uh, maybe not. I don't know if maybe I not. agree with that. I was that. about to say, like, you would lose a good chunk of context. Yeah, I don't, I yeah, don't you're probably right, actually. Yeah. You're it probably right. Of it, Which like, I, it definitely, I mean, it definitely is a sequel. Didn't really enjoy the first one, spoiler alert, but I would say that you would have to watch the There first are one. some things I want to talk about, like the differences between two that I think I might know why. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Why well, don't you tell us what the movie's yeah, yeah, about before we dive So this is about Officer K, played by Ryan Gosling, a new Blade <laughs> Runner for the Los Angeles Police Department, unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. Ooh, His God, discovery no. leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, a former Blade Runner who's been missing for 30 years. So yeah, maybe that's not right. Not a legacy se- Maybe it's a legacy sequel in that it came like 30 freaking years. 40 years yeah, after 30, the original. Maybe that's kind Which of- it's like... I, when me and Oliver were watching it, I was like, 
Harrison's Harrison Ford's acting career is fucking phenomenal. This man has been going for hardcore fifty plus years. Yeah, I mean, same with like Robert De Niro. Yeah, don't forget. Uh, well, I was about to say Clint Eastwood, but he's in the director world now. Yeah, but I mean, he also acted forever. But yeah. Anyways, I I guess there's a couple things that. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen the original Blade Runner, uh, spoiler alert. You should, <laughs> probably watch you should probably watch that before watching this one. Yeah. And this one, I'm trying to think if I should say anything about it. Dude, like the, the, the immediately it's like going to go into spoiler territory because yeah, of this building. Like, I think like, this yeah, one, I it's been out for just... a while. It's been out for almost seven years. I has, think. Has it been seven years? Yeah, 2017. Oh my so, God! For seven years. Yeah, Holy geez, shit! Twenty seventeen sounds like it was yesterday. I know. COVID really fucked us up. It really did. It really fucked us up. I think we should probably <laughs> just go right into it. And if yeah. you, yeah, if you're listening, then you're probably just gonna have shit spoiled. Yeah. So, I will say, I think it's worth people's time. Oh no, for sure. So I'm so, just gonna with that. Let that be. Take that as you may. Yeah. No, I'm just gonna add to that uh, real quick. So. Definitely check out the movies if you really want to have an unspoiled experience. But if you just want to stick stick with us and listen to the discussion, one of the things that will make Blade Runner stand out as a film and the reason why it has such, uh, I would say, a presence in the film. You're talking both the sequel and the original? Or I would just... say predominantly the original, but then the sequel kind of builds off of it. So there's the aesthetic of like cyberpunk. and Well, it kind of created that whole yes, aesthetic. Yes, exactly, yep. exactly. It kind of built it. Um, and... I think a good chunk of the story and world building elements is derived from a sci-fi novel that was introduced back in like 60s, 70s. And I think it's called If Androids Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Mm. And a lot of the uh, elements from that uh, might have actually influenced the uh, story elements yeah, and themes I, in this film. Both Blade Runners, I mean, really have to kind of, they dive into something that a lot of sci-fi movies dive into which is like what makes a human a human like what exactly. makes what makes somebody is it a soul what is a soul like that type of question and also i think even beyond that what grants an entity that exhibits intelligence the right for self uh well self not only just self sufficiency but what grants them the means to be an independent entity versus a tool and that's like one of the biggest questions when it comes to androids so and this is very pertinent considering a lot of the discussion with AI that's coming up more and more these days. Because mm -hmm. we're on that cutting edge at this yeah. point. Well, at what point is it sentient? Basically? Exactly. Yep. And then if, it, if we can determine that line between tool and sentient, even though in that context it sounds kind of rough, then what do we do with that? Like, how do we, do we set up the safeguards How do you now? navigate that? How do, how do you navigate yeah. that? Yeah. And how far is too far? Yeah, you know? I I think I think Blade Runner is less interested in talking about. I just about... don't think we should fucking create robots. Yeah. Okay. What? Taking yeah. your stance there, huh? I'm sorry. I did... as she as she lives on TikTok <laughs> and, and like loves her digital world, like and we're posting on the digital world. Yeah, right exactly. Yeah, but even then, like when you think about TikTok and social media, it is fucking creepy. Yeah. I mean, but when, when I think Blade Runner is less less interested in talking about the morality behind necessarily creating it and more so what what is it now that you've created it like, how do you deal like with how it? do you yeah how do you deal with it which yeah. is something that a lot of sci-fi movies have dealt with ex machina prometheus mass effect even from like a yeah, game mass yeah. Effect, yeah. Like, like there's a ton of sci-fi movies that kind of 
dive into that what is humanity type of oh, thing. Oh, Terminator. Yeah, term- yeah, I mean, a bunch. I feel like this movie lacked both which movies. Just, okay, Wait, which both. one? Like the original? Both. Damn! I feel like they lacked something, though, that would have piqued my interest, and it's more so like, I, I, I don't even know how to say it. Like, mm-hmm. when you watch movies about like robots and stuff like that and like how to navigate them, usually you see them kind of like taking over and like, being a menace to society but you don't really see that in either of these movies you see like like, the the threat of it like the potential not really like a little bit but not and you didn't you didn't like that no it's interesting to me because i actually that's one of my favorite parts of 2049 is that okay so it's kind of hard to like untwine these two movies because we're going to kind of talk about both of them a little bit but the first movie is from the perspective of a human Deckard, or well, that's up to debate. That's that's kind of, I guess, up to debate. You, you're led to believe human. There's a ton of debate over whether he is or isn't human. It's kind of alluded to that he isn't in 2049. Wait, in 2040? Oh, yeah. yeah. In 2049, it's kind of alluded to that Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, isn't human. That he's a replicant. A replicant is basically like an android that looks like like human. Like essentially, is indistinguishable from a human. It's as close as humans you can get, but the main difference is that it has superhuman strength, it has some level he, of like heavy resilience. But he and... wouldn't have aged as much as he did if he was that's and that's the, Yeah, and that's right. That's the leading theory that he's a, a human. Right. Yeah. But there's been a lot of debate over whether he is or isn't. There's a couple things in the original Blade Runner that indicate that he is rep like that was the ultimate depending on what version of the original Blade Runner you watch, it will lead you to believe that he is or isn't a replicant. So, do you want some quick behind the scenes like notes when it comes down to that exact topic? Sure. Because sure, I bet it. you already know this. But yeah, yeah. Just for the listeners, so there's a reason why there's such a back and forth when it comes down to whether Harrison Ford is a replicant because there's been a bit of a creative disagreement between Ridley Scott and, and Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford yeah. and also I think one of the producers and writers of the movie. So Harrison Ford, apparently, this whole production had its tensions, for lack of a better term, especially mm-hmm. with like Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott. Um. This is the original Blade Runner. This was the original yeah. Blade Runner, yeah. And one of the main notes between the two that was disagreed upon was Harrison Ford thought it would be better for uh, Decker to be human because it reflects more of the thematic elements that the film is trying to orchestrate and how his Blade Running days has been kind of fucking him up and his reactions with Rachel and dealing with the replicants in the film is helping him regain his humanity. While Ridley Scott wanted to explore more of the replicant aspect and like, no, no, he's a replicant the whole time. Yeah. And one of the key, I would say, visual cues is that in the original, one of the indicators that a character is a replicant is Is they would have red eyes. Yeah, red red eyes. Well, it was not even, they don't have red, they don't have red eyes. They glow. They glow. Not glow, but they're like, like the light light catches them. It's kind of like a, it's, there's a term for it and I can't remember what it is, but it's like a a predator's eyes like at night kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Under under certain light or at certain reflection. It's like when you see a cat at night and it's the lights reflecting off. And it's very subtle, but it's like kind of a golden sheen in the pupil of someone's eye. Exactly. And it's a pretty cool effect and the fact they did that back in the 80s is pretty dope. But, but that doesn't happen with... It does. It does. So it does a actually scene... happen with Harrison so, oh, Ford in the original. Yeah, so yep. there's, a scene, there's a scene like when Rachel's at his apartment and this is after she saves him from getting almost killed. Um, he pops up behind her and there's a moment where, you know, you see the red in her eyes 
but in the background you see red in his eyes as well. And also she asks, yeah, we're talking about the original, but she also asks him, have you ever used Use a test on yourself? yourself? And he says no. Yeah. And there's a lot in the original, actually, I think it's the director's cut, which is funny because Ridley Scott's vision. Yeah. He has a vision of a unicorn. Mm-hmm. At one, actually, in the, in the final cut, too, he has a vision of a unicorn. Which mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck that's all about. Well, it kind of alludes to the fact that he's a replicant because then the guy that finds him, the other detective, leaves an origami well, unicorn. Yeah. Like, kind of alluding to the fact that he knows, like, it's a shared memory type of thing. And oh. that it's, like, not an original type of memory or, or implant or whatever you want to call that it. That detective, too, mm-hmm. that, was, that detective was human, right? We don't know. It's never set. Yeah, I mean, yes, well, he's yeah. in a retirement home in 2049. I yeah, guess. that's what I figured. So, I was like, yeah. just but I think we're, yeah. I think, I think we're way off track. We should get back <laughs> on 2049 a little bit. Fair. In in that, I think 2049 takes that question of morality and what it means to be human and actually layers it even deeper because mm-hmm. now you've got Kay, who's played by Ryan Gosling, who is a replicant, killing, or I guess retiring, as they say, other replicants, um, and. This replicant has a girlfriend that's like AI. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's another, it's kind of another layer to it where there's the question of like, is she sentient? There's a big part where there's kind of all these different versions of humans mm-hmm. that all are like pseudo humanistic. Right. And it becomes very blurry over what is, you know, who's, who's real, who isn't. And that actually kind of connects to what we're facing oh. with now. But really quick, what I wanted to say, because what got off on this tangent was that Shannon said that she didn't like the fact that there was no kind of greater impact to it. Mm. And what I was saying is that I really liked it. And part of what got me on that whole thing was that something I loved is that Kay, played by Ryan Gosling, is is a he is both literally and figuratively figuratively an average Joe. And he's just kind of Oh yeah. He he is just in this greater thing that's happening all around him. And he plays the tiniest part. And not only to me does it make the world feel more lived in and like a real thing that's happening, but also it's kind of cool to like watch a movie where your main character isn't necessarily the hero. Like he's kind of he's just, just doing another, his job. He's doing his job. And until the very end, he doesn't even make decisions for himself. He's being told the whole time, I yeah. guess, like a, like a machine. Machine, yeah. And then the very end, he makes his own decision and it make you know, it changes the the timeline well, so to speak i but. wouldn't say like it's at the very end there's a point where you see him fracture off mm-hmm. and that's where but he's still being but even up until the point of being fractured off he is still doing what like he's being he, guided heavily. yeah exactly yeah, okay, he's being guided by other yeah. people until the very end where he saves harrison ford really is he is that that is his own decision that no one told him to do everything else I see was, was someone I see else telling him he should do these things or find these people or a memory that was implanted in him like it's it's he's making his own. He choices. made his he's own decision at the end, and agency. even at the end, it surprises Harrison Ford, who is like, like, what? Why? Who am I to you? Basically. So, so one thing that also that came to mind with that was the fact that a rep. This is the second time. Well, actually, the third time a replicant has saved Harrison Ford's life in the course of the film. So the first time was Rachel. Mm-hmm. The second time was Roy. Uh, the antagonist of the mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And so this would be the third time. And then, yeah, this would be the third time by K. So this dude's keep, like, there's this notion that the society within Blade Runner is trying to orchestrate that the replicants are dangerous, that these are, like, rogue AIs, that they need to be taken down immediately for the potential of harm that they can cause. But at the end of the day, all they wanting to achieve is 
a better understanding of what this I mean, what is this life or existence? I mean, really, really, it's a metaphor for just like equality in general. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, many ways. Yeah, yeah. They're they're just being diverted from society and treated as othered, right? From from society, even though they blend in perfectly. And you see in throughout the entire movie, you see Kay get discriminated against. He's Mm -hmm. getting called like skin skinwalker, Skinner, Skinner, and all these different things by people in his like in at his work and through the streets and on his door, like. It's all the time he's getting basically derogatory slurs thrown at him, right. and he just kind of takes on the nose. And so it's kind of just also a greater metaphor for just like discrimination in general. And that also reinforces the, uh, that goes back to the original point of how he's developed this connection with another AI. And what I was going to mention that kind of connects to joy. what we're dealing with now. Yep, Joy. Uh, played by Anna de Armas. Yep. Yeah. Uh, pretty like performances in general were like pretty solid throughout both films. Pretty Just great, that real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the idea that this AI that's supposed to be like a companion AI, that it learns who you are and basically builds this understanding of you, and during the course of the film, it almost seems as if this AI has actually built a bond with K. But well, K certainly it... has built the bond with her. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it begs the question: Is it a part of her programming? Is it her actually achieving sentience? Or is the algorithm that's that it was programmed with so sophisticated that over time it almost seems as if it's real? Right. And that in of itself is an interesting question. And it's never answered really. It's never answered at all. It you're you're kind of left to assume that on your own. What whether she is sentient or not, whether she actually loved Kay or not. There's right. a lot of things that it, that would point to that she did really love Kay. But then, but then there's things. equally amount of things that point to that it is just her program. And that's where that scene where... So there's a point later on in the film where after he's basically disconnected entirely from his independent joy. Uh, that actually sounds like an interesting line. Um, joy, joy like the AI. Yeah, yeah. joy like the AI. <laughs> he, he's walking across this bridge and there's this big-ass advertisement for joy. And it's interactive with him. Yeah. yeah. And it basically, it, and this scene indicates that was it really just all programming? And well, mm-hmm. yeah, because she says escape. you're a good Joe, and yeah. actually, Joy named K Joe, Joe, and then he exactly. goes by the rest of the movie he goes by Joe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then this hologram is calling everybody Joe, Joe. Exactly. and so it, it it leads the viewer to believe that it wasn't real. But also, there's that level of grayness to it all, mm-hmm. where it's like you don't really know because it seems genuine, mm-hmm. and she does, and she did do a lot of things that. Would I mean like I guess the real question is like, does it even matter if she's not? Well, that's another. Too, you know, like, like, does it matter if she's not human? If she, do you see what I'm saying? Like, and that uh, kind of harkens back to that discussion between Harrison Ford, uh, Deckard, and Wallace when Wallace was kind of like grilling him about his relationship with Rachel, and then he says, "I know what's real." Yeah, because it kind it just reminds me of that what you're mentioning right now. So, with all this being said, before we make this like exclusively just us like. Talking about the film. Yeah. I, I see you shared across the way. So, what we've been talking about right now, like what we're seeing in the film, like the way it's exploring the experiences of these androids and what they're trying to explore and trying to gain this sense of what it's like to be sentient. Did you see any of that yourself? Or, like, what was the, did you see any I mean, aspect of the film that really like stood out to you in that regard or anything similar? <laughs> I mean, it was cool, but like, it just didn't really do anything for me. I feel it didn't like. resonate. Yeah, and I, I don't. Maybe it's just because it's the first like air quotes robot movie where I didn't feel like what the first robot movie. 
Let me finish. I didn't say anything. <laughs> well, you sure made a look. <laughs> it's the first like air quote robot movie where they're like trying to shut them down in a sense, but there's not really any real threat that you see from the get go. Like it, mm. you're just from the. I mean, from the very beginning, they're just like we're shutting down these robots because. They're a threat to society, basically. Mm. But you don't really ever see that. Like, you don't see the immediate impending threat. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely I mean, they see... just seem like normal yeah, except people, it, kind it, of. I don't know if I totally agree, because you definitely Maybe. see what they're capable of. Right. Like you see in the, in the first Blade Runner, it opens with one of them just, like, killing a guy. Well, just blasting a guy and blowing one him One would argue, like, just playing devil's advocate here, one would argue the only reason that he attacked was because he was being provoked and threatened. Yeah. I mean, most of the time that you being see inter- them attacking, it's because, like, somebody is going after them. What I, I'm, not, I'm not even speaking of that. I'm talking about, in the first one, I don't know if threatened is the right word. He's being interviewed. True. But, but, but in this, he recognized the position. I'm, not even, I'm yeah. not even speaking to the circumstances yeah. so much as I'm speaking to the fact that you see what they, they are capable of in the sense of, like, they are extremely strong. Yeah, humans are also capable of that. I don't think a human can just bash someone through a wall yeah, the same and way. They have, like, like they, they perfect feel They don't feel pain. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, you don't, you, they, they are superhuman. And they also they like the perfect spies because they yeah. can infiltrate, like, anything. Yeah, they're, they're incapable of feeling pain, basically. Yeah. Wait, actually, and so it. No, I mean, it in, does seem like they feel pain. In in the in the first movie, it talks about how like I won't I won't hurt, but I can die. That's like what he says. Well, in twenty forty nine, it definitely feels like they feel pain. Yeah, but they can take it on the nose like nobody's business. Oh yeah, like K they'll, they'll... is shot and stabbed. In at one point, he is stabbed in the side with a scalpel in the very beginning and did, does not flinch and yeah. just continue. Like I'm not saying that they don't feel pain at all. The movie leads you to believe that, yeah, at least 2049 leads you to believe that, like, yes, they do feel pain in some regard, right. but not nearly to the extent that humans do, and they are super strong, and, have, and they have the ability to have no remorse or empathy. Love is a perfect example of what they could be. Love is another character in the movie where she is just, like, ruthless. At one point, she's getting her nails done and drone striking random people. That shit was pretty and, interesting. Like, I was like, god damn. It's, yeah. it's a super visually cool scene. And it draws a really good comparison. But she's also, she's an example of what they can be. Humans are literally like that as well. And that's, I think that's the question that's posing. Oh, yeah. I think that's the whole point is that, like, people in history have done horrible things to people and, you know, drawn major conclusions and drawn, like, blanket statements to entire populations of people. Oh, I see what you're saying. And it's just because it's capable of it just because mean, one person is capable of a bad thing doesn't mean that you can make everybody out to be that and that's so it's like the same kind of the approach with the replicants themselves yeah it's a similar it's a similar thing and i think what they just like humanity throughout all of history humans are scared of what could happen not necessarily what is happening right now because and that's the, what the police chief is her whole sure. thing is about she's basically living in fear that if these if replicants figure out that they can give birth which is some, I guess we haven't even talked about yet, but oh, that's yeah. kind of what the whole plot revolves around. Mm-hmm. If they figure out that they can give I mean, birth, honestly, then there's no difference like... between them and humans besides that they are superior to humans. And that is like, that'll create a war. That's what she's scared yeah. of. I'll say like, I definitely feel like I've watched better movies that pose this question. Can you give an example? I can. I just can't think of the name right now. Oh, we um... just watched one recently, Creator. Oh, really? is that the newest I one? Creator I... was 
pretty was that good. one the newest Crater one was good. Um, I don't think it posed the question better than this uh, movie. In my, in my opinion. Wait, what about I, I can't well, think okay. About it. Maybe not I Well, okay, fuck it. I Robot. I no. haven't seen that in so fucking long. I, know, right? I, I don't think so. I think a better At least for me, I just feel like there's been better movies out there that have like posed this question. I will say saving grace to this movie was the if robots can have babies then like how does that change fucked, the whole experience basically. yeah basically yeah i if that hadn't been an element in this movie i feel like i just wouldn't have cared about this movie at all because you think you'd be like what's the point type of deal yeah, yeah. like the first one didn't do it for me at all it was boring as shit so i want you to touch upon so that harsh so, i know i'm sorry but i that's just how i feel about it no i want to touch upon that because this translates to 2049 where i think the biggest difference between the two films stand out Yes, they're working on the similar themes about, you know, androids and, like, the typical sci-fi, mm-hmm. like, approach. One thing I will note is just the visual language is so different, and this is what I mean. And I think this is one of the main problems, because this came to mind, because we talked about before how older films, they're kind of hard to get into, especially for certain crowds. Mm-hmm. And that's why Shannon's opinion on films is really unique, because it helps us see a lens that I think a lot of, like, the main audiences have when it comes down to older films mm-hmm. that there's a certain like uh, there's a distance that you have to travel just to get into those films and blade runner the original showcases that by how i guess for lack of a better term how noisy the visuals are in a way because yes it was the 80s they had limitations of what they could do mm-hmm. and they did their best i mean hell it set the foundations for cyberpunk and you can definitely see the influences like say like cyberpunk 2077 like the game itself you basically put them up in comparison. You see the foundations of it. Like, you see it. Mm-hmm. But in the 80s version, it's, like, grimy. It is dirty. But I get it. There's a purpose behind it. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's kind of cluttered in a way. While in 2049, it could also be because it's newer technology, also better vision, so, and also, like, Denise Villeneuve is a damn good director. I, there's such a clarity when the, I don't even the feel like it's like the visuals that at least to were me. Like, that was like so me because I, I, I do think that was the only thing about the original one that I thought was pretty cool is it did have cool visuals and mm-hmm. it had um, just like cool things about it but the story itself just like didn't do it for me like there wasn't a whole the plot just wasn't strong enough for me to keep me interested in it Okay, I think I, I see what you mean by that, too. It's Speaking to the visuals, it's really interesting that you feel that way, Taylor, about the original, because I actually think the original holds up really, really well. It like, I feel like merits, for a movie that's made uh, in 1982, it looks incredible. No, so like, it's interesting that yeah. you feel that way. Like, I'm and not then, trying to and say then like I'm it's gonna, like trash, but it, it definitely has its moments where I'm like, yeah, mm. I'm not, yeah, and I mean, obviously, all of this is, a, like, opinion, so right. it's like, I, so I just feel differently about the original, and I'll go as far as saying that I think 2049, the sequel, this I guess what this podcast is actually about, I think it's probably one of, to me, one of the most visually stunning movies that I've ever seen in my entire life. So it's a huge statement, but I, I genuinely, like every time I watch it, I'm like in awe of the visuals, mm-hmm. the cinematography. Roger Deakins is a legend. He's the cinematographer. Oh, damn. Um. He knows the the special aspects. effects are seamless. Like it mm-hmm. all is just so gorgeous. And oh, oh yeah. I could. I gotta say, one of my favorite go... parts about this movie mm-hmm. was the scene where I'm assuming 
a, it's like supposed to be a replicant being born. Yeah, yeah. When she yeah. like falls out of the yeah. sack and oh yeah, like her like twitching on the ground, just like that whole scene was, was just cool like scene. super cool and just yeah. looked yeah. super cool. And that's where you, you get to meet Wells. Wallace for yeah. the first yeah. time, who's the creator of the Tyrell Corporation. No, no, no he 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 bought the Tyrell Corporation. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. It seemed like. Yeah. yeah. Uh he bought the Tyrell he but he's the CEO or whatever you want to call it of, of this new basically Ty- Tyrell's new Tyrell. Yeah. Is it is yeah. it called Tyrell? Still? It's not Tyrell. I don't it's, think um, it's Tyrell. It's, um, it's not the Wallace Corporation. It's just Wallace. Yeah. 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 And his name is Wallace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um like but it's where you get to meet him for the first time, played by Jared Leto. And uh yeah, it it's a it's a good it's a great performance, even though Jared Leto is a psycho. <laughs> but I like Hey, I mean sometimes I, yeah, it's a it's a it's a really cool scene, and he <laughs> basically it's also where you get to understand that the one thing that he's been trying to do is he he feels like everything that humanity has done so far has not been enough, and that to get where humanity should be, in his opinion, he needs more replicants right. than exist, and the only way for that to happen is naturally like by birth, and so it's his mission essentially to figure out how to have replicants give birth, mm-hmm. and for basically for servitude to create more replicants that will be in service to humans and in that scene where you see one give get born or get created Mm -hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it uh yeah it's a really cool scene and then he kills her right and it shows how in his eyes his eyes he just views them as tools Mm -hmm. and how they're slaves he literally calls them slaves yeah how easily disposable that they are to him yeah yeah and Following up with what you noted about the visual, like, just awe of this film, I think that's one of the reasons why, like, I noticed such a stark difference between the two. Because the benefit of 30 to 40 years of filmmaking, innovation, and techniques that have developed over time, you can really flesh out this type of environment, this type of atmosphere. Because the biggest thing that um, this director knows how to do is create scale through visual yeah, storytelling. Yeah, he made, Denis made Dune as well. That movie, which, holy shit, the scale of, of like, Dune. the ships and the planets and everything. It was beautiful. That's yeah, I think Blade Runner is the same same thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. And like, so, yeah, you, yeah, you can feel tell like this is made by the same person that made it. And so Dune. Denis, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if it, I, I said this last time we watched a movie by him too. I don't know if it's Villeneuve or Villanueve. I'm just going to call <laughs> him Villanueve. It sounds I, cool. I, think, I think I'm going to call him Villanueve for the rest of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, whatever but anyways i hope he, he emails us and is like it's yeah, not my fucking name exactly yeah anyways you fucking uh, idiots he, he so he made dune and he also made enemy and we've talked about enemy on this podcast i never, love enemy but it's like it is crazy to me that he also made enemy why is that crazy they're just like they're they're both like visually beautiful movies but in very different ways. So it's really, yeah, he's obviously very talented, which is why... Because, like, thought... Dune and... Sorry to cut you off. Dune and Blade Runner 2049, they, like, they give off the same type of vibe. Yeah, but he also, like... made, he also made Prisoners, which is a... Is I haven't a, seen Prisoners yet. thriller uh, crime story. We, with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm, yes. Good movie. But anyways, extremely talented director. I've yet to see a movie by him that I haven't enjoyed. Anyways, yeah, kind of where I was going with that is he is also really good, in my opinion, something that he ex- he showcased really well in Enemy is being able to lay all the puzzle pieces in front of the viewer 
and have you not immediately get what's happening. Yeah. And Enemy did it better, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in the sense of, like, Enemy, the whole time, everything is there for you to figure out. Nothing is getting, you know, protected from you to make the story flow better. All the information you need is there. And then at the end, the last piece clicks into place, and you're like, oh, man, I, like, I get it. And in Blade Runner, he, 2049, I feel like he very much does the same thing. There's, if you watch it a second time, you pick up on all the things that are there in front oh, yeah. of your face oh, yeah. the whole time, mm -hmm. and you just don't know to look for them because you don't know where the story is going. It's why every single person that watches this movie the first time thinks that Kay is the kid. Mm -hmm. it's, it's designed that way. There was a moment where... It kind of seemed like I legit, yeah. thought that the girl was... Well, she is the kid. Really? The kid. You, yes. You thought oh, that yeah. really There was a moment where I thought it, and then I was like, no. It's... And it's funny because I was like, no, like, everything's leading for it to be K. But then I was like, in my, this is like, I'm just going through what was going through my head. I was like, but that's also the obvious answer, so then maybe it's her. And then by the time, like, I was, like, going through the, the fact that K being the child was the obvious answer, I completely forgot about her. So well, then I, she was just completely out of my mind. I thought I was just going to be some, like, person we hadn't met and yet. It's, right. And it's so in your face the whole time, but because as moviegoers, we just kind of make up our minds about where a narrative is going, we just miss it. Like, there, there's, I mean, some of the biggest hints that you get are he's going through the DNA tracker, and he sees that it was that it's a girl's DNA and a boy's DNA, but a girl's DNA and she has a disease. Mm -hmm. And then you meet her and she always, she says she has a disease. Mm -hmm. And then he shows the memory. But before he shows the memory, she talks about how every artist, uh, there's a little bit of every artist because she creates memories for ro replicants. She says how there's a little bit of every artist in everything that they do. And then he shows the memory and she starts crying mm -hmm. and says that, oh, and no, this is I someone's memory. And that's when I thought maybe it was her. But and there's, like, a like... ton of, there's just a lot of things like that that are sprinkled in that are just, like, basically telling the viewer who the person is. Mm -hmm. But as, you know, as a standard viewer, we're so, we're so quick to draw conclusions because that's what we're taught to do in movies that you just kind of, most people just miss it. Mm -hmm. And then I think it makes the viewing experience really fun the second time you watch it because now you get to see it through this other lens. And I think... Once you watch it through this other lens, it's a lot, it's just a different viewing experience, which is the same thing that happened with Enemy for me. Yeah. One aspect that came into mind, because you mentioned how with Enemy, it was a bit more clear of how the clues were laid out and everything fits together in relation to, say, Blade Runner 2049. Now, what do you think makes that difference of clarity? Of how well things were laid out. Do you think I don't that... think the enemy is very clear. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, yeah, there's still Once ambiguity. Once you know what it's about. I think what uh, makes yeah. I think what makes Blade Runner less clear, in my opinion, is that it's just a much bigger story, and it's a mm. it's much it's much more expansive. It's okay. like multi many characters, many narratives. Again, Joe K or whatever you want to call him, he's just he's kind of just like a side character in this story. And you're just getting to follow along with him. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, he does play a part, but at the end of the day, he he is in a lot of ways he is not the main character, mm. and so he's like a pawn that's being moved around. Yeah, without the chessboard. Yeah. So th th that actually kind of coincides with what I was thinking too. Of like, if with Enemy, because it's a lot more focused film, it's a lot more confined in a way. It's much smaller too. Exactly. Well. Blade Runner is much more expansive. It's like 
it's exploring the thematic elements. That's like one of the main ones in sci-fi mm-hmm. in terms of like mm-hmm. the question of AI and how to handle like artificial intelligence and its sentience. So I think the way that this film is um, just kind of going on a bit of a tangent here explores the course of the story through the eyes of a replicant. I actually really like that because it kind of showcases further the dilemma that they deal with mm-hmm. and shows, especially through the eyes of Kay, that the ambition or the desire for connection or something more is there. And the moment he has any like hints that it is valid, like in the idea that he might actually be a naturally born replicant, how immediately he's like, oh shit, I like that. But uh, later on, well, he's distressed by it. Yeah. But it yeah. gives him that sense of, I'm something more. Versus, and that actually kind of, it's what leads to him fracturing and starting to slightly rebel. But then when he discovers the identity or the fact that he isn't, and he's confronted with it, it's like, oh, wait, you thought it was you. Oh, shit, sorry. But that's the thing. We all wish it was us. Yeah. And he's an average Joe. He's an average yeah. Joe. But it kind of adds to the notion that all the replicants share that same desire to be something more than just a slave. Right. Mm-hmm. And that ambition in of itself is what, I guess, what makes them recognize that, oh, they are more than just slaves. Yeah. The fact that ambition even and, exists. And you're basically seeing, I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing, you're not seeing what a lot of movies to this scale and in this type of world would show you. And a lot of, a lot of movies, I think, in the same world, in the same storyline, would show you the rebellion that happens. Yeah. Or, show, or show you, you know, the Blade Runners hunting down See, the... See, and that's why I think this is lacking for me. Yeah, I I get that. I you think just that's probably more action. More psh, psh, psh. I think that's what your average. Movie yeah, goer. I mean, with these type of movies, I'm not a. I guess I shouldn't say I'm not a huge sci-fi person because there have been a lot of sci-fi movies that I like, but it does tend to be like the more action-based ones. So that begs the question: Do you think? I don't know if that's true for you because I feel like you've mm-hmm. seen quite a yeah. Ex Machina has zero action. It has a lot of like uh, yes. not action, but. Um, Suspense, suspense, maybe. So I don't think action. You resonate more with the suspense and thriller aspect of Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. This doesn't have a, like a whole lot of action or suspense. It's much more of just like a. It's a lot more contemplative. It's kind of yeah. like it's more of like a character. Just really study wants than you it to is. use your brain, and I'm just not about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair, it's fair. Because no, I, I get what you mean. Because that actually brings up a another interesting lens when it comes down to these type of films. So there's okay. So let's actually make a decent comparison here. So. There's Terminator, which is like the great. It's like basically almost like a horror film. It's like a thriller. Yeah. Of like the machines taking over. What the fuck do you do? It's like. I think Shannon liked Terminator. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That would actually be a fun one to review. I actually just watched it for the first time. Like really, I just recently showed it to her. Oh my god! Wait, did you see Terminator Two? Is one of the best action movies of all time. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you you see Terminator Two? Yeah. Yes. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, Yeah, that's fire. Okay, so there's Terminator. That's the action one. Ex Machina, as we just mentioned, is much more suspense and thriller, and it definitely has that eeriness to it, mm-hmm. that atmosphere, that claustrophobic, like you're stuck in this place type of deal. It's a much really smaller cool. scale story, exactly. too. It's literally in a house. Exactly, exactly. Blade Runner is much more of a exploration of a concept and theme, where it's much more expansive. It's much yeah, more it's... like seeing the, this dystopian, technocratic world yeah. that's been overdeveloped, over-industrialized, and it's just how it's, how it's influenced the world itself. And my, bu- and my buddy kind of put it best when he when we had first seen it which is that blade runner 2049 is almost more like an epic where it's like it's not necessarily about 
the huge moments. It's kind of just the journey itself. Yeah. And it's like it is it is Kay's journey to find at the very end what like what he is, like what his lot in life is, what he Which wants to I do. I don't necessarily like hate that, but I just feel like there's a lot of elements in this movie, so it just like I don't know. I feel like if it was if it really was just Kay's journey and him just like kind of figuring out what his lot in life was and it really focused in on just that, then I think that it could have been good for me. So depending on how so here's, it was. Here's a question. But there's so many different like elements about this movie, like it takes away from Kay trying to figure out stuff and like So here Here's a question. It I almost feel like 2049 is more of like a character study type movie. Mm. Almost. In, in the same maybe in like pace in that there's not the big like action points and whatever. Yeah. And historically I feel like Shannon you've really liked those movies. So like um and I'm not fighting a change your mind because I think that that's like the beauty of this podcast that everybody can have a different opinion. Yeah. But like let's take a movie like Joker which is a character study. Oh, there's yeah. not like a lot of action whatsoever, but it's a movie. Yeah, that but it you focuses loved. on just Joker, the Joker. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's it's, what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, if this movie was really just based off of like Kay trying to figure out his lot in life and like his journey and like struggling between being a replica or whatever, then I feel like it could have been more interesting. But that really wasn't what the movie was about. You're just walking with him as he's doing his job. And those, that's like a side him, part in the movie. Right. Versus him like being focal point. I, I think I see what you're saying. Because it impacts your investment. In because the really, I mean, the movie is about like the fact that replicas can have children and like finding this child because this is like a huge thing. Well, it's kind of in like their it's, world. to me, it's like it's Kay's journey. It is Kay's journey. You really are only in Kay's perspective kind of throughout the whole but thing. Yeah, so TV, it's a little, other stuff well, what going I was, on. What I was going to say is that it is Kay's journey. But I think the part that uh, maybe isn't didn't work for you as much is that, yes, it is Kay's journey. But Kay's journey is only chapter eight out of 39 chapters of this book or something like it's yeah. it's. It we're very much like already in the middle of this greater story. Yeah. And Kay's story is kind of just a vignette inside of this bigger Ooh. thing. And well, it, maybe but, this e- one but way- even then it's just like Kay's story is not the main main that's not the main thing about this movie. It that's is not it the is, main I focus. think it is it is I think it is the main focus of the story. It's, a vehicle, it's just but- it's just it gets uh I don't know the right word. Sidelined. Sidelined by these bigger things that are happening around him. It, it yeah. he is the main focus of the story, but there are just quite I mean, literally you, you like follow world... him the whole time. But that's like him it's struggling just not with what the story is him, about. Yeah, I mean him struggling with his his humanity is, I feel like, the focus of the story of, like, existence Ex- but, or yeah, but crisis even then, of identity. Like, you don't really see him like struggle. Is it because it. of it's his like, like lack of emotion? No, it's not even that. It's just oh. like that's such like you know what's happening. Right, right, right. Like you, you can see it, but it's just like a very small part of the movie, in my opinion. And I think I think it's because it kind I, of like I, I, you kind of just like pass over it. I think it's because it's veiled within a like a journey. Like he, it there's he is the entire time seeking an objective and changing along the way. So I think maybe it's because we're focusing on his objective rather than the journey. The entire way and this actually um so this 
makes me see two things in mind. So we're recognizing that with this film because of the scale and the world building. It's like like trying to build off of from the original and the fact that Kay's journey is just a piece out of this whole mess of replicants and humanity and this whole discussion of shit. Yeah, Kay's journey is like a small piece. It's like mm-hmm. like and I lo- ex- I don't know. I just yeah, sorry, go no, ahead. No, no. But well, it's like as an example. The scene where he freaks out because he has this thought of, oh, I might be the kid, he freaks the fuck out and you're like, shit. But you mind yourself, like, oh yeah, this this whole world of other shit that's going on. Like San Diego's been turned into literally a waste dump for Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. That fucking sucks because San Diego's going. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, fuck. So it's those elements. That, and that, I think that's another reason why both films really take a lot of time to show off the world because yeah. that is the focus. I think if you, I think if you, if you aren't like just wanting to be engrossed in this world and this like world building and you're not wanting to just kind of like spend time in it because of how visually stunning and interesting and creative or whatever all the things are, then I think there's a really good chance that you will be kind of like, okay, let's get to the next thing. Right. But both Blade Runners are, are a lot more interested in kind of like letting you settle, let everything settle, let you kind of like immerse yourself in this world. And if for some reason it's not working for you, which is totally valid, then I think it's like, okay, let's get to the next point. Like, let's get to the action right. part. Yeah. And there are, yeah. in Blade Runner 2049, there is actually, I, there is actually quite a few really cool action scenes. They're just sprinkled in. It's not the main focus. And right. really, it's the, again, I keep saying it's like, it's like the journey to get to, to the end of this, this line. And so I think like, yeah, for me, I watch both of them and I love the world that Ridley Scott created and then Denis Villeneuve. You know what did, I like, think is fucking wild? Mm is the first Blade Runner. It's in the future. November 2019. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is like, I looked at Oliver and I was like, is this what they thought 2019 was going to be yes! like? And he's like, yeah. Okay, and I was like, hoped. you know what's wild though is like, I do feel like we have the technology to kind of be there if we wanted to. To a degree. Actually, no. I don't know. I think that we do have the technology to be there. When you think about it, we've kind of achieved it, but in a different way. So, like, as an example, you know how, like, say, the Tyrell Corporation and the old movie and Wallace Corporation basically took the same building. They have this mega structure that's taken over a good chunk of the city. If you think about it, like Google, Facebook, Apple. I mean, a huge part. Campuses that take over a good chunk. I just think about if, like, if we didn't have a bunch of like different regulations and whatnot, like where we would be right now. Yeah, and I think that we would be. Well, I mean, a huge they are in Blade Runner. I think we would have more robots. To Taylor's point, (laughs) maybe flying vehicles. (laughs) A huge part of this movie is like just also an observation on consumerism and capitalism in general. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. The, in your face the entire time are like massive digital billboards Coca-Cola, for Coca-Cola and Atari, Atari and, and like giant holograms. The... And in the original Blade Runner, there's literally a blimp that's just like spouting out ads. Like, and that's like the quintessential like, like cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. Cy- yeah, it's like this dystopian future that feels like, to Shannon's point, like it could be a reality that exists. I mean, own, being owned by mega corporations and all these things, it happens. It's maybe just not as in your face. Like, but the funny nowadays. thing is, we're imagine, kind of dealing with that. Yeah. Imagine if Elon Musk just owned everything and just like we didn't have any type of regulations. I think we'd probably live in a world like that. 
He did make the Cybertruck. He, he do have self-driving inspired vehicles. Inspired by Cyberpunk and Blade and he Runner. he did buy up Twitter. Yeah. That has nothing to do with this type of world. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. <laughs> they, like, well, there was, um, I remember there was at one point um, when explaining the sci-fi authors from like 20th century, the idea of a... I have no mouth and I must scream. That, I've, that well, I've recently learned about, and that shit's fire. I need yeah, to dive more into that book. That, damn, I need to actually read that book. I bet that you great. Elon Musk is making a robot right now. He already is. It's been announced. He's talked about well, it. See, yes, there you go. Really, but ironically enough, he is a very, very cautious of AI, which is yeah. interesting. But um, what I was about to say... Movies or, have taught us. or he's just telling us that. Uh, you never know. know. But the, what I was trying to say is that the, the thing that makes sci-fi so fascinating is the predictions of all these technologies that we have now. And one of them was social media. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is a lot of these films like 70s and 80s and even 90s explored like ai and artificial intelligence and like the influence of machines and stuff but they never really had or at least from what i know too much discussion about the internet and connectivity and stuff because it Mm -hmm. wasn't there yet but now that we have it, it's like oh shit we thought robots was gonna fuck us up no social media like essentially little ai robots just yeah. like learning everything about you and i think well i think it is i think that's also part of what makes both blade runner movies so fascinating to me yeah, and so yeah. does ex machina and like other movies that delve into the same subject but now more than ever especially with ai being such like a topic yeah people actually talk about it yeah and like, it being hardcore. so sophisticated that yeah. it's like it is really interesting that the reality of what bigger question that this movie presents is like kind of right around the corner where it's like oh it's right here yeah it's like yeah what is sentience what is humanity what how how do you decide it's like a black mirror episode so you know what's funny how do you decide what is and is not a tool or an object or hey, sentience guess what? What? i'm a robot no <laughs> a replicant no. Um, i'm a replicant so what's funny <laughs> Well, if that's the case, you're like a, a robot from Futurama because they you, they run on alcohol and you basically do this every time it comes down to drink. So if you're a robot, well, you're beating that's her why I on drink the, so much. We're beating, that's her, what we're keeps beating me her on alive. the whiskey, but she just keeps drinking wine, which is cheating. No, right. But um, what I was about to say was that uh, so the cool thing about sci-fi in of itself, and I think it's kind of like a semi-purposeful, not really, but kind of works out. I would say intention behind the whole sci-fi genre is the exploration of hey this shit could happen maybe we should think twice before actually doing cautionary it. tales exactly except so, for we don't think twice we well, just his, continue no, to go no, his for thing. it now to that point the fact <laughs> like, that let's see if this will actually happen so well think about it like this so earlier this year in particular you know chat gpt and ai and all that stuff became more prominent and the discussions about it became much more prominent hell this congressional hearings that's been happening just to talk about this shit. Normally in sci-fi like stories, that type of discussions may have happened or it happened way too damn late type of deal. Or it didn't never happen in the first place. It just ran with it. And there are these cautionary tales of like, okay, this is what happens if you don't rein this in. It only pops up. Now, because we've had an entire society almost raised by these stories, people are like, okay, hold on, pause. Okay, I've seen way too much Terminator. Yeah, but people, I, wa- I might want to stop this. Uh, I think quick. I think the crazy thing is that it's like a it's a self fulfilling prophecy because right. yes, people are a cautionary, including us. But then 
Shannon is on TikTok, which is like harvesting her information. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm making, I'm poking. Whole, so they don't like, have nothing like, to get from me. There's like, a, there's always uh, yeah. like a pernicious but no, what I'm saying, to technology. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm joking making fun of Shannon, but it's like a <laughs> yeah, greater. Yeah, you want it's me a, to, don't get me started. Let's talk about all the smart home okay. shit you buy. So it's a greater thing though, because Have you ever it's... seen the movie Smart Home from Disney? Oh yeah, I love that movie. Will they take over your house? Have you watched any YouTube videos about people watching you through your little cameras? So it's a greater discussion. <laughs> it's a greater thing of like people. Yes, people are aware that these are issues, but it's also that people like their conveniences. People like oh, yeah. things to be at like, you know, super convenient. I'm guilty of it as well, as Shannon is trying to say. Like, it's we do buy like robot vacuums and robot mops. Shannon's, so I would probably Shannon, buy a robot made. Shannon is like your prototypical consumer, American consumer, where it's like she, every other day, I swear to God, she comes to me and she's like, look at this thing. And it's like, yeah, did you, where did you say, see that? It's like a TikTok ad that someone's getting paid to promote or whatever it might be. Point being that it's very easy for algorithms and things to learn people. Oh, yeah. And we're in it right now. And I think people are like, yeah, it's creepy and people are cautiously aware of it. But we're only perpetuating it because at the same time, yeah, we kind of want things to be easy. We want things to be better. We want things. You're telling me that there's a program that can write an essay for me? Yeah, of course I'm going to do that. Or right. we're having we're having conversations. I mean, SAG After was just on strike. Writers and, and creators of movies were just on strikes because AI is a huge problem. Like right. people are thinking that they can just have movies written and art created by AI, and that's not how AI works. Exactly. And so it's like a very real conversation that's happening right now, but at the same time, people are more than happy to make sacrifices if it means their lives are going to get easier or things are going to get cheaper or it's going to keep you satisfied all day. Maybe we need robots because we're dumb. Well, so the, <laughs> both, both of those points present one of the various, I would say, through lines that, you know, the Blade Runner films kind of introduce is that, okay, we recognize that for us to be able to expand to the ambitious levels that humanity wants to achieve, like say, spacefaring like yeah that's to... that was wallace and 2049's whole thing exactly like we've been to nine planets but we should be at so many more right and hell even the tyrell corporations that was the original like incentive why replicants were created in the first place so that you can achieve the capabilities that a human can like mining and well, on, industry and yeah, stuff, on paper but... it sounds great because yeah. you're not sending humans you're sending robots to go do these really tough jobs exactly. no one wants to do but then the moment the robots are too intelligent becomes sent you're like ah shit there goes my fucking like bulldozer now it's smart. Yeah. What the fuck do I do now? And it's like, well, do you then give them rights and create another robot that's just dumber? And it's just and like, then what are the replicants going to say about that? And that was but kind what of if the replicants build something of their own. Well, that was kind of what the whole. That was kind of what the first movie. The whole premise of what it was hung on was that at the very end, Roy was that yeah. the final replicant. I think so, yeah. yeah. At the very end, his realization is that he's lived a lifetime in four years, and that's kind of like. His whole lot in life was he was trying to expand, like extend his life because in the original movie, replicants could only live four years. Yes. That was the whole thing. And the whole movie, Roy's just trying to find a way to live longer. That's mm. like the whole thing, which is a totally understandable, understandable like, thing that humans do nowadays all the time. But the very end, he chooses to save Harrison Ford's life. And he has, he seems to be at peace with the fact that he's like, you know, I've seen things that most humans would never see in their entire life. I've lived an entire life worth of experiences in four years, essentially. Mm -hmm. And he seems like he, I mean, 
he's literally holding a dove and releases a dove. And oh, like, yeah, that, that was like, uh, that's made cheese. But yeah. <laughs> what I found an interesting follow-up line that he has with that is, if I recall correctly, he's lived that, that type of life, but it's all going to fade away. His Those memories moments. will all, yeah. With, when he dies, it will all go away. Like tears in the rain. Yeah. And I, the, the interesting, the reason I mention that specifically is that every fucking time I've heard about Blade Runner, I've heard about and, and seen it referenced, that scene with Roy is always scene. The, the focal point. And I'm like, why the fuck is this so goddamn? That's my question with every classic film yeah. that everyone says, it's the greatest shit of all time. Why? Is it that good? That's why I, I judge so. like film spy, like hardcore. It's like mm-hmm. if you keep saying it's that good, it better be that fucking good. Yeah. So I well, sit it's there. it's tough. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's tough when there's a hype bubble around anything. True. The amount of times I've Is gone this your to first movies, time watching it. Uh, so I've seen Blade Runner before, but it was like haphazardly, like it was mm-hmm. like in the background ish. So this is my first time like sitting down and focusing okay. on. The How film. about twenty forty nine? Uh, I've seen twenty forty nine before, okay. so it was actually nice to rewatch I, it. I back think to it's. Back. I think. Yeah. W- I mean, it happens all the time, especially nowadays with, like, like we were saying, social media and ads and trailers and all these things. Like, oh, yeah. the amount of times that specifically, like, social media hype around a movie is insane. And then I, I guess me personally, I'll go and see it and I'll be like, wow, that really was not worth the hype. Exactly. Which is yeah. why it's a question that we bring to this table because it's totally valid. Oh, yeah. And I think that it's tough. It's not fair to the movie. It's not fair to anyone when there's this massive hype bubble around it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you went into Blade Runner thinking it was going to be the best movie of all time, I could see how you could be disappointed. Or like one of the best sci-fi films of all time. That's like definitely what it has it's, as an accolade. It's like, yeah, it is considered one of the like most, it's, if, if, at the very least, one of the most influential. You, it is not. It's to one, you. <laughs> maybe if it's not one of the best, it's one of the most influential sci-fi films of all time. I but I kind of like I I kind of agree with that. I can agree with the influential piece, yes. Yeah, the influential the piece best for sure. Of all time, questionable. Influential. Yeah, yes. I mean, I would I would also agree. Questionable on the. So with that all being said, mm. was the hype deserved for twenty forty nine? Yes, because yeah. that's what we're doing the yes. podcast. So twenty forty nine actually, when it came out, it got good reviews, but it didn't do super well at the, the box, box office. office. No, so, I've always heard about this movie. Yeah, but it has. That's because it ha- kind of has a cult following. Yeah, it's it yeah. actually did not do super great at the box office, and I'll I'll tell you what I saw it in theaters like opening week. It you think it's because such it's such a, great... a long movie? Long. I think it's two hours and forty three. No, there's a lot of a lot of action. It is. There's a lot of reasons. It's it's slow paced. Like even mm-hmm. I I can attest to that, and I like it. Like it is slow paced. Not a lot of action. It kind of lulls a bit. Like I I see all that. I acknowledge all that, and I still love it. And so I I understand that for that reason, people, it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. But it didn't do super well at the box office. Um, so there really, I guess, wasn't that much hype. Now there's a bit more because as this cult following, uh, so I think, I don't know. It's tough. Was the hype deserved if it didn't get a lot of hype? I mean, I don't know. See, that's the tricky thing when it comes down to cult classics. Well, you hyped this movie up for me. I don't think I hyped it up for you. Oh, you've been talking about this movie since fucking day one of us dating. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not dramatic. The amount of times I have heard you say, let's watch Blade Runner 2049. Let's watch Blade Runner 2049 is insane. Well, now watching it with you, I know that that was a mistake. <laughs> Damn. Oh, my God. I mean, 
I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really beating it up, and the really the only reason I'm beating the movie up is it just like it's because I recommended it. No, too. <laughs> it's not. It's because it just like it it wasn't like that interesting to me. I in my opinion, what I enjoy, I've watched more interesting like movies that pose this question. But I can appreciate a lot of things about this movie. It is a very good looking movie. The original and 2049. It's beautiful. I mean, Blade Runner 2049 has a lot of really good actors in it, too. Like big name actors, too. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it just like wasn't it wasn't my movie. So we mentioned before um, how this has a bit of a cult following. And I think Shannon's point is helping illustrate why the cult following even exists, not just for this movie, but just cult following in general. So it is always tricky when you have a film that doesn't do well in box office when it initially comes out, but then it gains this like really strong appreciation over time. And that's because it's like falls into that niche appreciation element of things where Mm Yes, your work of art may not work for the general audience, but for those that see what it has to offer, like from their own perceptions, like, holy shit, that's dope as shit type of deal. Yeah. And I think Blade Runner definitely hits that hardcore. I think where they up, like people who appreciate Blade, Blade Runner, Runner, Runner appreciate the aesthetic yeah. and the like, ideas behind I it. I think Blade Runner 2049, despite not, I guess I'll put it like, maybe I should even paint more broad strokes. I think okay. like as an artist. Yeah. My, me personally, I'm sure a lot of artists I would rather have your art be appreciated extremely by like a smaller group of people than be kind of just okay viewed by a bunch of people. And I think yeah. Blade Runner, I think yeah. Blade Runner 2049 will outlive many sci-fi movies, including one that we talked about today, The Creator, because it just it does resonate. Oh, it resonates a lot with a, like maybe not the majority obviously not this entire table even but like even if i even if this table represents it if a third of the people that watch this movie love it as much as i do then it will outlive a lot of other sci-fi movies that are kind of like middle of the road just good what you know what i mean like yeah yeah this was a movie so that i have a question Ooh. okay to that Ooh. point what about this movie makes it so different from every other like AI robot movie. Like what about Ooh. it makes it so air quote influential and like the greatest I don't think anyone makes said it, it was so... the greatest. Well what makes it so good? What to makes you? it so good? To to me? To you or to everybody that says I think that everybody it's such an has... influential like movie. I don't think anyone's necessarily saying it has such an influential movie. I, I don't think anyone is saying that this is the best sci-fi movie, myself included. I don't think anyone is saying it's the best sci-fi movie that's ever been and made. And we're talking about 2049 in particular? Yeah, or just Blade 2049. Runner? Okay. Oh, are you asking about, about the original Blade Runner? I'm assuming 2049 has a bigger cult following. No. I'm, no. No, Blade no. Runner. Really? I mean, Blade Runner, I don't even think has a cult following. I think Blade Runner just has a following. The okay. Original. So the just original. a following. Damn. Yeah, the original Blade Runner is known as one of the best sci-fi movies but 2049. all time. Okay. Yeah. Blade Runner. Okay, so what about that makes that so different? It came out in the '80s. It's visually stunning. It it came out in a time where yes, those questions about humanity and whatever were being posed, but it posed them in a way that was interesting and ambiguous to viewers. 
It had great acting, great visuals. Was there a lot of other like terrific AI or robot movies? That Terminator came out in and I don't think Terminator. Sorry. I think Terminator came out after. No, I think Terminator came out slightly before. I thought it was like late seventies. Terminator? Nah. Oh, actually, wait. Terminator might have been at least early eighties. You're right. Yeah, I don't think Terminator was seventies. Either way, it was coming out at a time where this it wasn't saturated in the market like it is now. And I think years after. Yeah. Damn. So there you go. So it 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 posed these questions. It created this interesting dialogue. It was ambiguous. It had great visuals. I think the world has a lot to do with it. Hence why it kicked off an entire genre of movies. So and this games. is the oh, yeah. first one that we're talking about. Yeah, yes. the original. Okay. Blade so Runner. and I could and I could see that. Oh like, yeah. yeah. I, I guess it's hard for me because I've seen all these other movies. So then mm. seeing but all, you're these watching other all these other movies watching... that have been influenced by yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you put it in that regards, like I, I, I see it. I get it. It's kind of like but Seven what, Samurai when we but watched Blade that. Runner twenty forty nine. Like, but people I guess love. I just don't see it. I think it. people loved twenty forty nine for different reasons than they loved the original Blade Runner. I think okay. twenty. I think Blade Runner is this influential granddaddy of the sci fi genre, especially the cyberpunk. I mean, it kicked off cyberpunk as an aesthetic. Whatever. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, twenty forty nine was this sequel that came out of nowhere that no one really had any high expect expectations for. They're like, why and are I you making this? <laughs> people were actually really pissed when it was being made because it's like, we, di- we don't need this. We don't yeah. need this movie. Don't and trash it. And it came it. out, and for the people that really love it, like, again, myself included, what I, and again, dif- different than the first, I don't think this is the best movie ever or inc- crazy influential or anything like that. Like, I- I'm not drawing any of those conclusions whereas the first one really broke the door open for similar movies this one isn't breaking the door open it just yeah to me it just it takes the first movie and it it just improves upon it in a lot of ways it does a lot of things that the first movie couldn't because of limitations at the time mm. and it is i don't care i don't care who you are it is it's visually stunning oh and as yeah, someone no, that yeah. loves movies and someone that appreciates photography and cinematography and art, it's it's crazy to me what Denis and Roger Deakins was able to capture on screen. It's, oh yeah, that shit's fucking gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous, and each area they're in feels distinct. And the, I mean, everybody should just be. I don't care if this take the story out of it. I mean, I can talk to that in a second. But like the story, take that out of it. If you look at it just from a technical standpoint, it's like perfection. It is. Insane costume design, awesome set design, makeup, visuals, special effects, cinematography, lighting, like everything from a technical aspect is like perfection. You know, you I just gas for anything more. I just had a thought and I bet there's like a video of this out there. If you take all the dialogue out of Cyberpunk, sorry, Cyberpunk, <laughs> if you take all the dialogue out of uh, Blade Runner 2049, and I bet you could do the same thing with the original, but particularly with this film. And it's basically just shots of the world, of the environment, of the characters, and just how everything is set. And if you just have that as like a reel of just what this world is, you're just in awe. And I imagine mean, seeing San that in theaters. will probably look shit. like that in 50 years with the way that we're trashing Maybe. And the I, world. It just, it's, just like, <laughs> it's just like, it is this world that feels real and lived in and explained mm. and thought about and contemplated. Like, so that's the technical aspect. I think that yeah. is like an A+. Plus. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, Great. And then for me, which is a, again, I think the technical aspect, I don't know that any, I would have a hard time 
with anyone that says, oh, no, it doesn't look good, or oh, no, you know what I mean? Like, I would love to hear what argument they yeah, have about I, that. Yeah, I would like, too. What the fuck? So to me, it's like, that's like visual technical perfection. And then for me, the story, which is a lot more subjective, really works. I really like, it's, it's different enough for me to watch a movie set in the perspective of somebody that isn't your stereotypical hero character that he's isn't, not like the one yeah exactly it to me that is like it's something that you don't see all the time it's very interesting to me yes it's maybe not as interesting because you know it's not the the stereotypical points that you'd see in a movie but to me it's very interesting to watch someone that's essentially a side character in yeah. this greater world and yes i could see how it'd be frustrating that you don't get to see the big points he really feels like a connecting tissue chapter in between these bigger things to me that's so different and so interesting that i just respect it and i respect the director i respect everyone that made it and for me it's like it works perfectly even watching it today i've seen it many times i what whenever i watch movies now i watch them through shannon's lens like i watch <laughs> them i watch them trying to poke holes in them I, and not saying that Shannon does that, but yeah, just like, rude. I wa- basically what I'm saying is like, I watch them as a very harsh critic. I don't oh, try yeah. to I, poke holes in movies. No, I know you don't, but we just don't always see eye to eye on movies. Yeah. So I kind of like watch movies now through the lens of like, is Shannon enjoying this? Would she enjoy this? Would this work for her? Right. Whatever. Did you think that the first one? No, I don't was... think either of them would work for you. So, and, and, but what I was going to say is. That aside, although I can recognize how both of them wouldn't work for your average viewer or Shannon, that aside, I'm still like, ah, but I love it. Like, I just, I love this movie. Right. I love both of them, but I, it, I we're talking about 2049 and I just, it works for me. You know me. what I thought that was funny? Mm. That they did probably use like an AI feature for Rachel in the second one. Oh, they, they did. did. I, yeah. I, I don't think they used AI, but they used... Um, special facts. Yeah, they, they use hardcore special facts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fun fact: you know that Harrison Ford actually punched Ryan Gosling by accident in that scene where they're That's fighting in the. So funny. And Harrison Ford was shocked. There's actually a clip from the other side, like it's it's cut up, but there's a clip from the other camera where you see Harrison Ford like accidentally not pull his punch and punch him in the face, and you can see his face in shock. And Ryan Gosling, after the fact, was just stoked. He's like, "I'm so like I got punched by Harrison Ford. What's cooler than that?" <laughs> I love, I love it. that. But no, um, to your point, I do think with 2049, the story builds up on the existing foundations that the original film introduced. And I think the biggest concern for a lot of fans was that this sequel could, would potentially detract or somehow retroactively fuck up the storyline. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it does. Like, I bet there's much more space for arguments on how the story could have in some way, shape, or form, fucked up the whole mythos. But I think, from my initial viewing, it's a good continuation and exploration of the overall themes, concepts, and through line of the Blade Runner. I like, think that if you, like, uh, I think that if you really love the world that was created in the original Blade Runner, that I like, I did like yeah. the aesthetic to it and the yeah. world. Then twenty forty nine, at least in that regard, will work for you. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they did a pretty good job for making a sequel. Yeah, I think it's without a, like fucking up the original story. There's so many. That, yeah. There's so many. If we're talking about soulless things, there's so many soulless sequels Ooh. out there. Yeah, and I think Ooh. 2049. It's clear they really that don't play with like the original story too much. They, they no, don't. I mean, they they really kind of leave it untouched, it. and they yeah, don't even. The only really... thing that they really 
touch with it is Decker, Decker and Rachel. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. They treat it as a real sequel where it's not trying to retroactively change the past. Yeah. They're building off of it to make their own story. That's mm-hmm. what a and sequel's supposed to do. And it's clear that it was made with love. Like, it's clear that everybody behind this wasn't just trying to make a cash grab. Yeah. It, it's, it, if they were, I think it would hit those points that, like, yeah. we've discussed didn't work for, I guess, both of you. They had a vision. Yeah. And it was clear. And, and it worked. And for me, it works. So we've talked about the hype and we've talked about, you know, a bit more context of the past of the film and stuff like that. And we've also hinted about this particular question, but I'm just going to go out and call it. Is this film for everyone? No. It's no. Not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's no. not. I even though it, I, I, mean, I yeah. even though I really enjoy it, it's not. I I especially now watching it through the lens that I watch it through. I feel like a lot of sci-fi movies are it I don't really feel like they're for everybody. I feel like it's hard to make a sci-fi movie that's like for everybody. You kind of have to be open to the ideas and concepts that sci-fi films yeah. introduce. Which is and a lot of people that like I just think about the the boomer generation. Like I don't really think that they're kind of into all that type of stuff. I mean that's a broad Well statement. actually wait, the boomer generation are yeah, the ones sorry. that made sci fi. Yeah, that's Yeah, but I just like I think about the boomers in my life and I don't think that they'd be into like sci fi shit. I don't think Fair that's enough. true. Really? Yeah, I don't. But that's also because I feel like, and th- I don't mean this as a jab, but you haven't seen that many sci-fi movies. And I think you've seen I've a seen lot of... more than you are giving me credit Has for. She, like, do you think she's seen more than the typical mainstream audience like, um, member? Would have? It depends, I think. But I, you, I don't know. I don't know I if I agree. Not I don't, like the, I don't think more that it's... More than the mainstream audience, but I've I don't seen think it's more fair than to say that, is, like making it. I don't think it's fair to say that boomers don't enjoy sci-fi. Like, that, that seems not fair style. Well, Star Wars is a sci-fi movie that came out in the 70s and like yeah, blew everything So, 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 so that actually presents a really interesting point. So sci-fi in particular, like with any genre, there's a point where you hit the level of hitting the majority of audiences because the story stands out and then the genre is just a set piece. While when you go deeper into the iceberg, especially with sci-fi in particular, but this could be the case with like horror or say mystery or even romance, you start going into the true thematic concepts of the genre, like not just AI, not just like say like relationships with AI or space traveling and all that shit. That's where you get into a more niche audience because those are the individuals that ask those questions themselves or wants to explore those concepts. And that's where Blade Runner is because it hits that unique space where sci-fi fans are going to love this shit because it it's it's sci-fi it's what the foundation of an entire yeah, genre a lot of i think of a lot of sci-fi is. fans in general just really love good world building oh yeah because and, it's and like, like it's, cause it's like a way to, it's like a way it's a it's fantasy it's a way to like immerse it is, yourself yeah, in something that you don't see every single day exactly it's, and blade runner does world both of them does world building super well right no, no, I absolutely agree. And that's what makes those films stand out. And that has been maintained in 2029. It's an aesthetic that is still trying to be emulated today. True, true. Yeah. The only problem is with the fact that this, these films have such a subtle, well, not even so subtle, that's like the long term. It con- a, it's a contemplative story. Exactly. And contemplative stories don't exactly have that 
I would say that pull or that grab is like say Mission Impossible right. or Fast and Furious or, or upgrade or Transformers or anything. Exactly, right. yep. exactly. So because of that, it's not going to gain as much of a wide net, but it will grab those who really love the sci-fi genre. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably just get right into ratings. Yeah. I really want to know what you'd rate it all about. I don't think it's that interesting of a review because it's clear that I love this movie. If anything, I think it's more interesting what you two think about it, specifically because it's it's clear that you both neither of you have an affinity for it the way that I do. Would you give it a five? Yeah, I would give it a five. Holy shit! Wow! Wow! I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Damn. (laughs) Fuck. Which is actually funny because now I'm on a five star streak. I think I've given like the last three movies or something five stars. Jesus Christ! Which is like it. It's funny because anyone listening would probably think that I just give a hand amount of like, <laughs> yeah. nothing. Yeah. But I'm actually pretty yeah. critical of movies, but we've just watched some really just good give movies. Give us a five? I love this movie. Wow. Oh, okay, so yeah. Shannon. Taylor. Would, you, no, <laughs> I want you to go. Oh, shit. Okay. You're not, no one's going to break my heart because I feel very strongly in this movie and yeah, I, I there's mean, a, I'm there's sure a, Oliver could guess what I there's a big but... There's a big audience behind it. I've talked to like a you know, a lot of my other friends also love this movie, so I know yeah. I'm not like that minority in loving this movie. I just right. it's so with my initial take from this film, building off of like getting a chance to see the original, it's visually stunning. It's absolutely gorgeous, and it definitely builds off of the aesthetic and themes of the original. It's a good sequel. Um, it definitely helps provide more exploration of the world and characters of the original. I think Ryan Gosling's performance is actually pretty cool. It's kind of funny because there's been like memes for like years about there were a couple of films that Ryan Gosling starred in. This one, Driver, and I think there was one other Drive. one. Yeah, Drive, yeah, I and I think there was one other one. Where he's, he's actually just, just a pretty great actor. He is. He just plays this like stoic ass character in all these films. Mm-hmm. But then he plays. He plays the. He plays the character that every young boy like wants to like imagines themselves being like the stoic right. tough guy. Like, and the next thing you know, you see him playing as Ken in like yeah. the Barbie movie. Yeah. It's like holy shit, this dude's got range. I so love it. Exactly. So, dude, dude's an awesome, is an awesome actor, and this is another great performance under his belt. And the rest of the cast, like uh, Anna Damas, Harrison Ford, uh, the actress who played Love, uh, Jared Leto, all those guys, they did a pretty damn good job. So the performances are pretty solid. Now, in terms of sci-fi films, I've really like threw it out the park and made me go like, "Holy shit!" It doesn't exactly hit that mark, at least with me. Mm. But I can appreciate what it has to offer, and. It's honestly a good film, especially if you're a fan of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to check the shit out if you're a fan of sci-fi. I give it a four. Yeah. But four. That's yeah. fair. I, I feel like I should put the asterisks out there that I know that this movie has flaws, but like what I love flaws? it anyways. Like what oh, flaws? I don't want to, like, go dive in. The biggest flaws are, like, I know that it's slow-paced. There are a couple of scenes. Two and a half plus hour. Yeah, but yeah. I don't love, runtimes don't bother me so yeah, much. Two hours and 43 minutes. If I'm into <laughs> if I'm into the movie, exact. it doesn't. Exactly. If I'm into a movie, it doesn't really bother me so much. Yeah, it does bother me. And it's either. funny because like it's it's that's a it. very like subjective point of view. Because on a complete side note, before Shannon gives her review, we just watched Killers of the Flower Moon, which is like three something hours. Mm-hmm. Shannon yeah. loved it, thought that it was great paced, and I thought Wait, that, is that it was really with, slow. Uh, Michael Fassbender, no. Leonardo DiCaprio. It's, it's the Martin Scorsese movie. Oh. Point point. The only point that I'm trying to make before Shannon gives her review is that. Runtime is, I feel like, subjective to how much enjoyment how much you feel you're getting. About the movie. Yeah, yeah, how much enjoyment you're getting out of the movie. Because I, I, I definitely liked that movie a little bit more than Oliver. Not maybe not a whole lot more, but he felt like it was super, super slow paced, mm. and I didn't. Which 
Ooh, Coming that's from me, interesting. It's weird. And that's a three plus hour movie. What the? Yeah. That's fuck? like everything Anyways. that I hate about a movie. Anyway, Shannon. Um, I mean, I don't think I have like a whole lot more to add than I've already added. Like, I think it's a beautiful movie. I get why it's. I get why people like it. Didn't work for me just because I feel like I've seen like a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. sci-fi movies in my opinion mm-hmm. um but because it's a beautiful movie i will give it a three that's not bad but i am curious i know that 2049 is what this podcast is about but i'm curious after hearing your guys's reviews uh, on 2049 what is your review on just the blade runner oh okay I'll minus wait. two and a half okay oliver which we'll take I also yeah see it's not it's not even it's not even fair because this was a my pick for the movie so I'm subject it's very subjective I mm-hmm. love the first one too I really yeah, I do yeah wait wait five yeah I think so oh my Damn! god okay. what I love to me that's so wild to there me. every so often a movie comes along and and Shannon you're grilling me but you're the ultimate you're you. the ultimate testament like, to so this wild. you're the ultimate testament to this fact I knew you like, liked it I didn't know you loved it like that I do but just because I I guess like just because I love it doesn't mean that I I want to watch it every day right? Let's, right it's just a movie that I have an affinity for you truly appreciate that I truly appreciate yeah 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 it's and again it's like I I can say both of those things that, you know, I think both of them are five-star movies and acknowledge that they both have issues and that they're both not perfect necessarily, but for me, they work. Mm. And it's, it's, I, it's this, I mean, you, you're jabbing at me a little bit, Shannon, but you do the same thing all the time. I'm jabbing at you. You know, it's like, we can come back to Fast and Furious. You I'm love not it. jabbing at you. you I'm love just, those I'm movies. genuinely shocked. Yeah, that's the only thing. I'm not mad I'm, at you for it. And, and well, I'm, I'm not just shocked. I'm, I'm I'm shocked that half the movies you love, you love. But that's like that. That's the beauty of movies. Is like exactly. it can mean something yeah. to different people. Doesn't mean I'm jabbing at you. So, with that being said, um, when it comes down to the original film, now that I've had a chance to actually sit down and watch the whole fucker, it, man. When looking back at the set pieces and how they shot the film, it is a marvel of filmmaking capacity. The fact that they did that back in the 80s is fucking insane. The amount, the amount of like techniques they had to come up with and the things they had to do is pretty cool. Lift giant actual like flying cars up off the ground into the air to create scenes of them taking off and stuff, not CGI. That shit's like, crazy. Yeah. Dude, I love that shit. That's, that's like the nostalgic early well what was it the new age of filmmaking that people like keep... cameras panning through ceilings into buildings yeah and out of hallways and through Dude, windows that gorilla style and, type like, of fucking like filmmaking so i yeah that made like the early like sci-fi of like the 70s and 80s stand out because that shit you had to be creative as fuck it, yeah ingenuity and there's I, and i think i'm not trying to cut you off but i think there's something when a movie is is so visually stunning like the two blade runner movies are and they don't feel like they're necessarily trying to be just be like over the top and interesting this just is a to get part you of it's, the it, overall experience. Yes, it adds to the experience and that it it's the cinematography and the camera work is there for a reason. Like yeah. it's motivated. Yeah. It's better than like a movie that like channels, a Marvel like, movie. Sure. Or like a move a better comparison that's maybe like a a a tiny tangent is like Gretel and Hansel, that movie came out. Hansel like, and Gretel? Han- no, I think it was Gretel, Gretel and Hansel. And I think Hansel. they flipped the name. Yeah. It's this a is a this is a movie. Yeah. 
this is a very niche movie that probably no one saw, but it was so clear Don't that see it. yeah, it was so clear that they were really trying to make everything look super cool, which is admirable, but it ended up just being really showy and not mm-hmm. like unmotivated. Everything was uh, unmotivated. Anyways, you were saying about Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no worries. No, and that actually presents a really good point. There was purpose behind the visual effects. And the one thing I will note is an interesting difference between the two. They both have this tendency to sit with shots of the city and the world. But this actually harkens back to what I mentioned earlier, where I think this is a matter of technique and how it's evolved over time. The way Blade Runner 2049 does it, it's clear, it's crisp, it still shows the dystopian elements of it, but you can see it. You get a better sense of it. Yeah. In this one, it might be a matter of technology, it might be a matter of Probably. some film, various other circumstances, but it has that griminess to it that I think it's purposely a part of the aesthetic, but it also kind of creates this detachment from it because it, it is an older film. Yeah. So I think that is an element that comes into play. That kind of influences a lot of like how one may resonate with resonate with the film, and it is definitely slower paced compared to like any sci fi film. Um, it's definitely has its age, but you can appreciate the influences it had on future films from then then on. But to me personally, I'm struggling between a three and a three and a half. I'm gonna give it a three. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it it's you know even though I love these two movies. If someone, I guess, like anyone, like either of you were to come to me and yeah. you were like, no, this is a two and a half movie or no, this is a three movie. I'd look you in the eyes and be like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. If that's how you feel. That's how you feel. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not, it's not, not something... so like definitive. It's like, that it, is bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm very aware that my love for both of these movies has a lot to do with just like the experiences I've had as an individual and right, what I look right. for in a movie and right. all the different things that just make me really love it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that it is a it is perfection on screen. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. there are those movies where like there can be no argument that it's not a, you know, a great movie or whatever. But that like both of these movies, I if you came to me and you were like I hated it, I'd be like, "Yeah, man, I get it." You no, know what I mean? Right. Like it's it's just one of those things. It just works for me. Have we seen a sci-fi film yet where we've agreed it's like top shit? Have you yet to talk about that type of film? I don't think we've talked about one. I think we don't Ex talk Mach- about that many. Ex Machina is great. I think we Upgrade talked... is great. We haven't talked about that many sci-fi movies on this podcast. Shit, I don't think. Maybe that. we should dive into that. We and I, yeah, that. I haven't seen Ex Machina since probably 2018. It's been a while since I've seen it too. So it'd be good. It's to a good. Yeah, it. it's a good movie. Yeah. Ooh. Oh no, that's not. Sorry. So when I was thinking about Upgrade, it just reminded me of Hardcore Henry for some silly reason because it kind of. Whatever. Upgrade has some action parts like that. I mean, it's loved like, Upgrade. Hardcore Henry. Spoiler yeah. alert. If it's we not even sci fi film. It's just cool. No, it is a sci fi film. It is sci fi. Hardcore Henry? No, Upgrade. Upgrade. Upgrade is, yes. Sorry. It's just like, oh, okay. I, it just made me think of Hardcore Henry. And that's oh. Actually, that might be one of my picks at one point. I should. I've never seen Hardcore Henry. I don't even know what that is. That's why I need to add it. Okay, I'm adding it to my Anyways, list. <laughs> we got to wrap this up. Taylor and I have had Link three. Two. You guys have bought, you have passed me. I made Oliver finish. My first one. <laughs> well, that is the secret, ladies and gentlemen. In order for us to actually beat Shannon, it has to be whiskey or sake. Yeah. <laughs> whiskey, it, sake, scotch. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Well, all that. It's fireball. Unless it's fireball. Oh, God, fireball. <laughs> Everyone has that reaction with fireball, I swear. I, I get it because it's like, it was it the was drink that everyone drank. When 
we were younger. When we were younger yeah, in high yeah. school. No, don't, don't, no, don't say that. Podcast. Sorry, uh, when they say high school, uh, is it like you stayed in for way too long and you're 21? Yeah, not actually <laughs> high school. Just, you know, it felt like high school. And you're in Europe. When we were younger. We, so, start, so it's legal. we started off on Captain Morgan, so we never had a fireball stage. I had a fireball stage when so. I was younger than I am now. Legal age. Legal yeah. drinking age. Yeah. I never had a fireball stage when I was, was <laughs> younger, so I don't I mind it. I hate it. I, it's nasty. Better than it's kind of like 99 apples and bananas. It's like I the same had thing. one of those phases. Peppermo- peppermint sh- peppermint Schnapp. schnapps. Yeah, but Shannon Tried also went to the most up. privileged school in all of Anchorage, so she didn't have to deal with any of the cheap alcohol. What is the most we privileged- literally drank Captain Morgan's peppermint schnapps. Captain Morgan's? Captain's Morgan's. <laughs> Captain's Morgan's. Not one, Morgan's. <laughs> all right, Morgan's? we got to wrap this up. And Burnett's, which Oliver brought me Burnett's home the other day, and I was like, what are you doing? Context for that. It's not like I, I just said, brought I said, home. just give me a cheap, cheap, yeah, cheap it vodka. For, it was for and Mixer he, for her like, he a ho- bought me holiday a cheap, party. Cheap vodka. Yeah. Damn. Well, okay. Anyways. <laughs> this has been Cinema Hangover. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Absolute Madness and great discussions here. We appreciate you guys, and we'll catch you next time. Happy holidays. Later. Hey everyone, if you want more Cinema Hangover, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We also post episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you have any movie suggestions or questions, drop a comment on any of our social medias. Also, if you have any drink recommendations, be sure to let us know. And again, thank you for listening.